That's the theme song to our podcast. All right, it's the Chance of Gaming Podcast, episode 63. As I start and you can hear the jingle of my uh, dryer letting me know that it is done. So there you go. <laughs> you don't get that kind of background in Herald on Games. No, no. See, that's my version of the uh, the intro music like on History on the Table. It's instead, I just key up my dryer and just run that. There you go. So anyway. You're not about ready to receive a coded message? No, not from, not today. From the home office, maybe okay. tomorrow. <laughs> With me always is Richard and Roy, as you can hear. Hey everybody, this is Rich. Happy holidays, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, whatever you are doing. I hope you're having a great time. It's been a rough year, and I am glad that we are in this holiday time. Absolutely. Uh, Monday is the solstice, so you know if you're for the the pagans amongst you, that's. Uh, Festivus is coming up. What what is Festivus? I think it what is it or when is it? When? Twenty third, I think. Okay. All right. And I have made a donation confused. for both of you in your names to the human fund. Alrighty then. Hmm. Not to be confused with Boxing Day, which is the twenty sixth. <laughs> yeah. Hey, so this is uh Roy. I've returned from vacation. Um and I'm back where it's cold. And I well I, you know, when I was down in Florida there were a few days where they had patchy frost in Orlando, um, and uh, there was a few days that where I was I was happy to have you know a few extra layers to be outside. But anyway, you were down there wearing shorts and a toboggan, I'll bet. A toboggan? Oh, a, to- a toboggan like a, a toque? Yeah, toque toboggan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have I have a. Um, I played hockey growing up, so I know I know all the weird words for we call them a stocking cap here. But if you're a hockey player, you can call it a toboggan. Okay, we call it a skull cap here in, in <laughs> Mississippi. Yeah, with a little ball on top. It it can it can uh, have one, or it could just you know kind of just hold your you know your head on and mm-hmm. just yeah, and it keeps our ears you know warm. That's the the big thing for them. So yeah, yeah I don't know how you didn't die down there from Michigan to Florida. <laughs> It's got to be tough. <laughs> well, the hot tub was nice and warm, so mm-hmm. I, could, I could turn that sucker on and uh, um, act like I was some, you know, uh, Mexican gangster or something. Yeah, my wife and I went to Florida. This is, I guess it was 15 years ago. I only remember that because it was our 10th anniversary. But we went down in, like, late November. And, you know, it was – when we left St. Louis, it was – you know, below freezing and snowing. It was, you know, normal November weather. Um, but we got down there and like, yeah, that's going to be, it's going to get down to 50 tonight. We're having record low temperatures. <laughs> it's like, we're, we're all going to die. Oh my yeah. gosh, what do we do? <laughs> uh, yeah, because my brother's in Orlando and it really rarely ever gets cold. I have family like in the uh, the panhandle, you know, and it, it'll frost or, or whatever. I don't think it ever snows there. I could be wrong. But um, it does get cold. But yeah, the further you down, you you go down. It's just no, doesn't doesn't happen. So, welcome back, Roy. It's good to have you back. We missed well, you. Thank you. We tried out your replacement, didn't work out. So I figured we'd give you another chance. <laughs> All right. I, I didn't know if I was being supplanted or not <laughs> with Robot Roy. Yeah. <laughs> See, if we were a big enough um, podcast, you'd, we would have fan art of that by now. But you know. You know, I ever since I started like 
playing RPGs and stuff like that. I, there's so many times I wish I was an artist only so that I could do like character portraits and pictures of robot Roy and stuff like that. I wish I had enough art skill to just do that. Yeah, same. Alas, I, I have none. None. Yeah, it's, I can't do it. And it's it's this weird thing, you know, where it, I re- honestly think it kind of hinders you from a lot of different things. Like if you can't, you know, do your own graphic design to make your own logos and, and stuff like that. Well, I guess I shouldn't say it hinders you. I will say um, it, you just have to pay for it. Well, you have a tremendous advantage over people that don't have that uh uh, ability by you know because you can do you could do something like that like you know like ah I'm gonna draw Robot Roy and put him on a T-shirt and maybe a couple people buy it or whatever you know so I've seen your T-shirts Adam they're pretty freaking good <laughs> well see I contract out for those and um, yeah. sponsored by Sharpie mm-hmm. oh that one yeah I do a really good job of that one anyway. With Roy, you coming back, did you even have a chance to play some stuff? You had about a week to, to get some stuff in? Uh, well, you know, I've, I was thinking back to all the various games that I've played, and maybe there's a few that I haven't mentioned. So um, I have a, a, a quite a stable. And actually, I played uh, D&D on Roll20 while I was down there. And I try to be all cool and sit outside, you know, uh, <laughs> next to the pool. But there was, like, a lot of this. The house where we were at was right next to a major road. And uh, there was a lot of highway noise, so I had to move inside. But, uh, so, here's what I've been playing. Uh, I'm going to start with a game called Expedition Northwest Passage, which is available on, Nor- on Board Game Arena. And you start out, uh, it's been a while since I've played this, actually. So you have, you build the map as you go, and you start out, I think, from in, um, oh, where is it, in Iceland? And you're, you're trying to find the Northwest Passage, and so... It's a game of moving your ship across the uh, the Arctic Ocean, and you can explore the uh, um, the islands. And every now and then, if you wish to, you can send out your sledge. So your your sled of of your um, your sailors can go across an island, which is critical because eventually the ocean freezes over. So like you get your ship as far as you can go, but then once you're frozen in place. You're stuck there until the uh, until the the time moves along and the portion of ocean that you're in unfreezes. So it's a kind of a there's a there's a water aspect, there's a sailing aspect, and then once you get locked in, then you got to send out your sled um, to go and collect uh, resources and um, get points from finding a cairn of a previous expedition or finding some flora or fauna or whatever. And the idea is that you have to go from the right side of the map to the left side of the map and back before the game ends. Do you build the map as you go? Yes. Yeah. So you. I think uh, that's a cool mechanic. I like that. Yeah. The uh, the tiles are they're uh, one by two. I think there's one by one tiles also. Um, and so you just each time it's a it's a unique map. And so you're, uh, you're kind of building it behind you, and then other people can move on to the tiles that you uh, have left or be on the same tile, actually, too. And uh, you have to – the one time that I played it, um, it was getting towards the end of the, of the game, and I still hadn't made it all the way across the map. Well, if you give up and turn around, you still have to bring your sled and your ship back together and load everything back onto the ship. 
Um, so it was, I had the ship was uh, not that close to an island where my sled was. So I had to get as close to that island as I could so that I could pick up my, my people that were on the ice. And uh, Is the game get... a set number of turns or does it depend on? Yes. Like, okay. So each turn, the, the sun moves one space. And it will say, okay, everything past this line is frozen. Uh, and then as it moves around, then it'll things will unfreeze and you can move a little bit more. So anyway, that's Expedition Northwest Passage. Um, and that's on Board Game Arena? It is, yes. Cool. Uh, and then I've been playing some Terra Mystica. I'm in my second game of Terra Mystica, which I've never played before. Um, and I'm, I'm doing the way I typically do, which is poorly, but... You know, whatever. I enjoy it. Um, Fake Roy was talking about that last time. He really likes that one. Oh, yeah? All right. Yeah. Uh, so this is a game. It's very much like the Clans of Caledonia game, which I've talked about before. Uh, but it's set. It's, it's a fantasy setting, and you're moving to uh, spaces on the map. And the only way you can build on a map is if you terraform it to your preferred terrain. So... Uh, Right now I'm playing the Auron, which are kind of, they're like wood elves. And they, of course, they only build in the forest. Well, so they, the terrain around them that's not forest, they can spend resources to convert it um, to their color. So if you see the box art there, it has the seven different terrain spaces. And um, however many steps away from where you are, um, or your preferred terrain, that other terrain is, you have to pay that much resources to get it through the different stages to get it to your type of terrain that you prefer. And so once it becomes your preferred terrain, then you can start building on it. So it's got some terraforming in as well. Yeah, yep. Uh, cool. And there's uh, you can bump up your uh, your shipping so that if you can need a, just a little bit more reach to, um, to start a... a a settlement, you know, maybe two spaces away across a river that you can do that. So it's played over five rounds, and each round there's a bonus of one sort or another. Um, and there's a, there's a, uh, you're moving up on these cult tracks. So there's the, it's the, um, the four elements, fire, earth, air, and water. And um, you can send a priest to start moving up on these, on these, uh, these cult tracks. And when you get to a certain level, it gives you a little bit of a bump. And once you get all the way to the top, then that's worth 10 points for you. Um, and so it's it's a game with a lot of options per turn. But eventually you run out of resources, and then you have to pass. Um, and then you pick a bonus tile for the next round to start with. So that's Terra Mystica. Uh, and then I've been, I mentioned I've been playing... Uh, D&D, this is the high-level game I've been playing. I believe we're at 17th level now. Yeah, I'm fascinated to hear how this is going. It's, you know, it's kind of the same, it seems like. Really? So what yeah. kind of stuff are you fighting? Like, are you fighting uh, demigods and stuff, or, or just lots and lots of things? So we're uh, we're coming up against a an, an Oni mage. Okay. Or uh, what, an ogre mage? Mm-hmm. I forget the name. Um and what's going to be set before us here pretty soon is a, uh, a skull lord, which is a uh, it's a three headed uh, undead that spawns uh, undead armies behind it. 
So that's that's an upcoming thing. We just kind of we've been climbing up a mountain and we've come up over the edge of the hill and there's the skull lord there with his array of skeleton warriors. So How are you finding are you have you had a lot of combat so yes. far? Yes. How are you it's finding the combat. combat at high level? Um there's well okay there's a lot to remember. So like I have a sorcerer and um he's a uh, a storm sorcerer. Yeah. And so I have to remember that every time that I do thunder or lightning damage, I can you know hit somebody near me for 15 points of of uh of thunder or lightning damage based on whatever I cast. Mm-hmm. And it's the the benefits that you get per level start stacking up where you have to like, well, okay, I should be able to do this here. And, and uh, I don't know, I'm not that much of a schemer, I guess. So I don't know. It's to me, it's, it's very similar to playing, you know, lower level D and D, I suppose. Just, yeah. you know, the, the I don't know if that's good or bad to... because you don't want to, you don't want it to just be the same all the way through. Cause you want to feel powerful, but you're also mm-hmm. fighting things that are more powerful. So I don't know. I, th- the reason I am so fascinated by this is because I haven't played fifth edition D and D at high level, but in the past, and it's been a while since I played any high level D and D the game kind of breaks at the really high levels. And I was just curious to see how that was going for you. Yeah, it seems, um, I don't know. It's, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now, what, how did you play it in Florida? Just on a laptop. Ah, uh, okay. I wondered if, like, you were doing something on your phone, like if it had an app or, or whatever. Well, I ended up switching to my phone because um, it was a, a, a computer I was unfamiliar with. Um, so I uh, I ended up dialing in on my phone and using that for the audio part of it and earbuds, and then I just had to switch them back and forth between screens. Like, here at home, I have, I have two screens, so I can have my character sheet on one monitor and the roll twenty map on the other monitor. Um, so yeah, and then uh, there's a there's an extension called Beyond Twenty that will take your D and D Beyond character sheet and it will talk to the roll twenty um, website. And so like if there's a, a particular spell that you have that you want everybody else to see, okay, well I'm casting lightning bolt. And the DM will say, okay, what does that do? Can you show it to us? So I'll click the display on roll 20, and it'll have the spell right there. Um, or you can do all of your rolls in roll 20, and it, or I'm sorry, in uh, D&D Beyond, and then it will spit it over to roll 20. Yeah, I own uh, Fantasy Grounds, and, <laughs> you know, with COVID, I kind of felt like trying to figure out how to run it or whatever and then i find out well there's a new version of it and you know whatever because mm-hmm. i I thought about spending a good bit of money on uh dwarven forge stuff but then i was like well you know what's more realistic being able to play it online or you know in person especially you know given the current circumstances mm-hmm. so yeah I'm, I'm, i was really thinking about doing uh buying a bunch of modules and stuff or maps mm-hmm. whatever mm-hmm um, and I, well, so I've really become a fan of the spell absorb elements, um, because you can cast it and uh, our previous session or two sessions ago, there was a, a giant that had come out against us 
well, it was a storm giant, so he was doing lightning damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, forget how that worked. Anyway, so the absorbed elements spell says that at well, at first level, if you get hit with a, some kind of attack, then you can put that back out in a melee attack the next round. So, like, if I get hit with a uh, with a D6 lightning bolt, I can do D6 lightning damage the next round. Well, you can level it up. So, absorb elements at a seventh level. Um, that's a that's a seven die six damage of you know, of lightning or thunder or whatever the triggering damage was. So, anyway, absorb elements. It's it's been a, a, a become a fan of that. And then been playing Kingdom Builder, which is a, um, it's an area control game. I've, I'm sure I've talked about it before. Uh, the there's the board is made of four random boards that are put together, and each board ha- will have a location on it that if you build next to this, you can take a token and use that special ability on a later turn. So like the paddock says that wherever you, um, after you've placed a settlement, you can move it two spaces. Um, so each turn, you draw a card, and you, you'll, if you get, like, canyons, you have to um, pick a space that has canyons and put three settlements on it. And then the paddock will say, okay, well, I'm going to take one of these canyon uh, settlements, and I'm going to jump it over to the desert, which is maybe nearby or something. Um, so there's different locations that you would choose to uh, kind of enhance your turn, and then there's also there's uh, random victory conditions. So, for instance, Merchant says that for every castle and location that you connect with an unbroken line of your settlements, that'll give you some points. Um, so anyway, that's Kingdom Builders, also available on Board Game Arena. And then I've been playing... So this game, and I'm not sure how to say this... Um, I heard somebody say in a, uh, a how to play YouTube video, Amitis. That's A M Y I T I S, or maybe it's Amyitis, which you know, maybe she go get checked out. Swollen Amy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so this is about the Hanging Gardens of Babylon, uh, and so you have your you have the Hanging Gardens, and you're an architect, uh, and your goal is to build the gardens. Well, you need to have plants for that, so you can send uh, the caravan out around um, Mesopotamia to the various cities and get plants or get, um, you know, maybe you could get something that makes your, gives you a coin every turn. Or if you go to another space, there would be a place there where you can, like, build up your palace and get some points that way. Um, but it's a, it's a very, in the review that I watched, called it a mean game as in if you're taking a, an action someplace you're denying somebody else that action um, so every turn there's an array of cards that are laid out and you take one of the cards and you may have to pay up to two uh, talents to hire that particular assistant so it's like a priest or an engineer to build irrigation and um you're filling up the board with plants. You're building, and the different tiers of the of the gardens will give you various other points too. So that's uh, Amitis. We're just going to go with Amitis. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then I'm gonna I'm gonna utter a word here that people are gonna lose their mind over. Monopoly. But not, not but. just Monopoly. Monopoly deal uh, is a favorite of my wife. It's a uh, really good game. I, yeah. I'm I'm kind of in the same situation where like the first time anyone offered it to me, I'm like Monopoly. No, 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 no. But yes, I, I agree. Monopoly deal is a good game. Yeah. So this is a it's a light card game wherein you're collecting properties. So in your hand, you'll have action cards, you'll have money and you'll have um, properties. So if you can lay down three red, then that's one set of properties. And the goal is to get, what is it, two or three? I think it's three sets of properties. Um, but if you have those sitting there, everybody else has cards that may try to steal those from you. Yeah. Um, I haven't played it in a while. I remember there was, there's like one card in the deck that is like really, really screw your neighbor powerful. I don't remember which one it is, but... Mm -hmm. But like you said, yeah, you can't have anything stolen unless you show it or something. So it's been a while since I played it, but I really enjoyed it when I did. Yeah. So if you draw money into your hand, you get I think you get three actions per turn. If you have money in your hand, you can't spend it out of your hand. You have to put it into your bank. So if you have a, a $2 uh, money card, you have to set it in your bank, and then you use that to pay rent. So every now and then somebody will say, okay, I want you to pay me rent, and I'm going to lay down a rent card for the particular properties that I own. And if I have if I have two properties, then it's this amount. If I have three, it's another amount. Um, I'm going to lay down that rent card, and I say, I want you to owe me uh, rent. And so that money has to come out of my bank. Um, <clears throat> so if you can bankrupt somebody from their bank, then you start taking their properties too. Um so yeah, it's it's a it's a light card game, and don't let the name Monopoly on the box uh, scare you away. Monopoly okay. themed, I would call it. Yeah, yeah. Just just the same artwork and themes, but it's a different game. It's good. And then uh, Letter Tycoon. Have I talked about Letter Tycoon before? I don't, I think, don't so. think so. Okay. So this is available in Board Game Arena, and I also have a hard copy of it. Uh, it's a word game, and so uh, you're you're making up words out of, I believe you have a hand of maybe seven cards, and then there's three on the table that anybody can take, um, and you build the biggest word you can. And so, like, for, let's say, a seven-letter word, that may give you three dollars, three dollar coins. Well, you can take that those uh, coins... And let's say that, that uh, the word that I spelled is tycoon. So I can take the money that I got from laying that that uh, word down, and I can buy a patent on any of the letters in the word tycoon. So if I buy the N, that's a particular amount of money. And then, if, and then when anybody else put, lays down a, a, a word with the letter N in it, I get paid. So it's a game of building words, and basically you're collecting money and you're collecting stock chips. So it's uh, kind of um, uh, industrial revolution themed, but it's a it's a, a word game. And the, the artwork is, is pretty cool on, on it. I wonder how fast um, all 26 letters are bought up. I don't believe all of them. I mean, there might be, actually. 
Um, I've never seen all the letters get bought up. I okay. think the game would for that. Just curious. But so like letters like E are worth a lot more than than a, a J. So what I see here that an O is worth seven dollars. So you have to have seven dollars to buy the O. Um, the J is only two. But the J will also have a uh, special ability to it also. So they may say, you can play two words. Um, or you can add an S to the end of, of your uh, word or whatever. Can I, can I add letters to uh, my opponent's words to make them be bad words? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I'm going to H-I-T, hit. <laughs> like, I'm adding an S here. Hits? <laughs> yeah. Oh, all right. And then uh, I've been playing Lego Incredibles on the Switch with my wife. And that's the... We played that while we were down in Florida. Incredibles, like the superhero movie from Pixar? Yes. Okay. Oh, sorry. I meant to put a link on there, but I... Like with... Uh, okay, so you separated the, the little side controllers on the side. Yes. And, and played on the same screen? Okay. I didn't even know there was a Lego uh, game. So the last time this, and I don't recall ever playing this, the last time this game was played when we cracked it open uh, on vacation was Christmas last year. So I don't know what that means. But. It's tradition now. You have to break it out every year. I think so. Yep. So anyway, that's, that's my thing. Okay, and uh, for me, it's my turn. Um, Armada continues to go, grow, uh, both in my at my local store, but I haven't been out. Um, COVID's got a lot worse. Uh, we've reached capacity, uh, ICU capacity in my area and my whole state, so just haven't gone out. And have you uh, picked up the new factions yet, though? Um, I was going to do um droids so yeah i bought uh the starter and a couple of uh things of the uh, the fighters for it and have played a couple of times not enough to like to be confident like with mechanics or you know whatever but uh i mean i i like it i've always liked the idea of it anyway so now i kind of you know really like it so i'm hoping it kind of takes off at least locally. I'm also hoping they don't drop the ball. Like if, um, you know, they we end up back in quarantine or, or whatever. And now, when you say they, do you mean like Asmo Day or Asmo Day? Okay. Yes. Right. Because yeah, where you end up in another um, tight, uh, Flames of War situation where they just you know screw things up and everybody. Yeah. Who, who was? I don't know if COVID even has anything to do with that. They're having. They've got a lot of issues right now. I mean, they're they're like laying off departments and moving a lot of stuff around and selling properties and you, yes, they're they're unstable right now to say the least. Yeah, and and it just really sucks because it's like, hey, we would prefer that um, somebody who can afford it and is actually really good um, have the Star Wars license and and make that nice Legion game that we like so much instead of some company that just half-asses it. So, you know, I don't know. It's just kind of kind of my feelings on it. I did uh, manage to... It, it was very strange to... Um, I hadn't planned on this, but it sort of happened to get 
most of my droids painted for Legion, so as soon as we come out of COVID or whatever, I should be able to field a sizable droid army as well. It's progress. For that, yeah, it is progress, and uh, I'm happy for that, but yeah, I haven't been doing anything. I've, a friend has been talking about playing uh, Mutant Crawl Classics. Or Dungeon Crawl Classics online, and I'm like, oh man, that sounds really interesting. But you know, it's it's become so much of a thing that it's basically a stereotype, you know, where you're trying to get a group together to play. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's and I I'm a little scared of that. I, actually, I'm a lot scared of that to be like, because like right now I'm very interested in playing online, and but so I may meet somebody tomorrow then. And they're like, yes, let's do this. Let's schedule it for next Friday. And then next Friday comes around and, oh, wait, there's a new episode of something I want to watch or, <laughs> you know, or, yeah. or just whatever else. And then I, all of a sudden I don't want to do it. And so I don't it's want... hard to build a story when you're playing once every two months. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the solution would be. Um, but, yeah, it's I'm kind of interested. In, like I said, I've been sort of getting some stuff for Shadowgrounds to try and you know, uh, maybe do some stuff in the future. I wonder if, like, I could attempt to run it. Would that help? I don't know. But, uh, yeah. So basically, yeah, I'm not doing a load of really anything. Oh, dadgummit, I meant to say something last time we recorded. Uh, but I forgot. Out of nowhere, on my local uh, Facebook wargaming group, a guy in my area popped up, and he was like, oh yeah, I've been playing Squad Leader since like 1980. The old one? Yeah. And and so I was like, well, have you heard of this game called Advanced Squad Leader, perhaps? <laughs> you know? So uh, I'm supposed to like give him a call at some point, and, uh, and we'll see. So, I don't know. <laughs> Who knows where that might go. Could it be that I could actually possibly find an opponent regular opponent more than one opponent i don't know we'll see see how it goes that's cool adam good for you i know good things happen to those who just wait and give up all hope and yeah so there you go <laughs> so what you been playing rich uh quite a bit actually i've had a lot of free time um it is interesting though that you brought up like cancellations and advanced squad later because i've not played any asl so i had with two different guys i'm playing two different campaign games and we've been alternating thursdays so basically like every thursday i've got a scheduled asl game and i think the last one that we actually played was something like six weeks ago or something which has been like non-stop cancellation so so no asl because of the same stuff you were just talking about but i've had plenty of other stuff to play um i played another game of imperial struggle uh, with with a new guy, not with my wife this time. So um, we've talked about that one before. It's a it's a new GMT game. Uh, covers a couple hundred years of the sort of global kind of a cold war between England and France, and um, it's in the vein of Twilight Struggle, but it's a very different game. Um, and I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, playing it with the guy yesterday, I realized that you know I've played it like five times or something, and there's been some rules that I had wrong. So it's always good to play with someone new because he's like, hey, though, no, that's actually not the way this works. Um, so, yeah, I played Imperial Struggle again. Uh, last week, last weekend, me and three other friends, we actually all got together for a weekend to to we rented a cabin and we just 
took the weekend off and played some games together. Um, so we had like our sort of headline game, which is the Jaws of Victory, uh, which is a big uh, Eastern Front hex encounter war game, uh, Battle of the the Corson Cherkasy Pocket Eastern Front World War II. Um, so we played that for let's see, a couple days. I think we ended up playing that maybe 16, 18 hours over the course of a couple of days, played about eight turns of it um, and just had a blast playing that one. It's it's nice to be able to play a big game with some other people in a time that normally you wouldn't get to. And then in the evenings, we played some different games. We played a, a really old game called Kremlin. Have you ever heard of this one? No. OK, it's a wild game. It was really fun. Um, it's a it's a great evening game it doesn't take a whole lot of thought it's just very very backstabby you're you're playing members of the politburo and uh you start off with i guess uh i guess with lenin in charge but by this time he's already like old and sick so you're trying to okay let me take that back you're not playing members of the politburo you're playing like the secret guys in the background that support them and have them Basically, with you've got enough compromise on them to have them do your will, and you try to get your guy to be the leader of the Kremlin. So um, there's a whole thing where like guys get promoted and disgraced and sent to Siberia and all this stuff, and um, it's just it was a lot of fun. It was a great game. We enjoyed it quite a bit. It's an older game. It came out. I don't know. Uh, it's an Avalon Hill game, so it's it's an old game. Oh wow. Yeah. Uh, I played a little bit of Sekigahara, which I've talked about in the past. Um, played, Psychic uh, Gahara. Psychic Gahara, yeah. Uh-huh. So it's a GMT game. It's a card game about uh, uh, just a two-player game about the, the Japanese in 1500s, I want to say. Um, really good game. Hidden movement. It's a block game with cards, and you know you move your guys around, and you get into battles, and... You know, you may have a big stack, but if you don't have the guards, to, the cards to get those guys to activate, then they're not going to fight for you. So um, that's a good game. I've played that, and I've talked about that one before. Uh, another new one I played, this was another evening game we played next week, was Manila. Uh, have you guys heard of this one before? Is it about envelopes? It is forward? not. It's not about envelopes at all. It's about uh, a port or a harbor in Manila, and you play the Dock Masters. Um, basically just trying to get goods into ports. So it's, it's a worker selection game, but it was a lot of fun. There's also, there's some bidding involved because you'll, you'll basically bid for the right to be the dock master and the dock master decides which commodity is going to come in that day. So you've got four different commodities. Only three of them can come in on any individual turn. Um, I could say only three of them have the chance to come in because of those three, probably not all are going to make it into port. Some of them are going to get, waylaid by pirates or pushed aside or whatever um so if a if a certain commodity does make it into port then its value rises and anyone has stock in that commodity their value goes up as well so um it's a really fun game it's it's very simple you know not a whole lot of thinking it's it's good when you've been playing a a heavy game all day long and you've had a, a quite a bit of moonshine to share and um yeah manila it was a lot of fun I don't think it's in print right now because I actually I think my family would enjoy it. Um, so I thought about trying to get a copy for them, but I don't think it's in print right now. Uh, we played another game called Gladiator, which is I think it's it's basically a two person game, but I think it's got rules for multiplayer and single player as well. And it's basically just a little deck builder. Uh, no, not a deck builder. Um, 
because you don't you don't build your deck and change it over the time. Um, you play two gladiators in the arena together. Each one has his own strengths and weaknesses. You know, one guy's quicker, the other guy has better armor and stuff like that. And you just play cards against each other to try to move around. And um, we only played one game. It was fun. Um, I think. I think I need to play it more to really grok it better. My guy basically had like a, a critical wound on him very early in the game. The other guy got a really high roll and my guy was basically just bleeding out and there was not much I could do about it. I was basically just on a timer um, at that point. Cause you know, it's like, Oh, all this is going to happen over the course of the game. And basically I had like eight rounds until I was going to die no matter what. So, um, um, so lightheaded. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I see the tunnel. Yeah. It was fun, though. It kind of reminded me of another game called uh, Carthage that I played a year or two ago. Um, it's same, you know, they look kind of the same. There's a like a big sort of hex encounter circle in the middle, and you put your guys on the map, and they fight and stuff like that. But that was called Gladiator Quest for the Rudis. Uh, and then just a couple days ago, one of the nights that one of my ASL games got canceled, uh, I played a game called Prague, the Empty Empty Triumph. This is in the it's a series game, um, Battles of the Age of Reason. So there's a whole series of these. There's maybe maybe a dozen games in the series, mostly like Seven Years War. I think there's some more of Australian Secession. There's a couple. Uh, games that are American Revolution, but I think most of them are Seven Years War. So uh, this was the Battle of Prague. Um, it's you know it's a hex encounter game. It had some really interesting mechanics. So we we just played like a single learning turn, basically just to see how things were moving around, see how the sequence of play works. We did some cavalry charges, but I'm going to play it again tomorrow night uh, just to kind of learn the system a little better. But it was a lot of fun. Looking at the picture on Board Game Geek, it seems pretty big. A lot of real estate? So, yeah, um, but we played a very small scenario with basically just like two lines lined across from each other, just kind of crashed into each other. So, uh, yeah, there's definitely uh, a big map to play with in some of the bigger scenarios, but I haven't played those yet. The really interesting thing about this whole series is it's got some pretty intricate movement rules. Um, for example, um, you know, you're used to, you know, you've got a counter here, he's infantry, he's got a combat value of six and a movement value of four or whatever four movement points so one two three four i'm going to march ahead but it's not really that way because it depends on which direction you march which formation you're in and formations and this is very true to the period were very important because you know if you got horses running around you and the cavalry is about to attack you might want to get into a square formation um, if you're at the end of the line you might want to get into a hook formation so that you can defend your flanks better um, and all of those things cost movement points if you want to move onto a road you have to get into a road marching formation you have to spread your guys out which makes you very vulnerable to attack um, so there's a lot of a lot of your movement is spent just switching formations and kind of wheeling your guys around. Um, and then what's really interesting is uh, the game I played, it was the Prussians on one side and the Austrians on the other. And I can't remember which one was which, but um, one of them, they actually have different movement rules because apparently the, the one side they had just very strict rules about the way they ordered their formations. Like, okay, all the tall guys go on this side, blah, blah, blah. But what this means in game turns is like, if you want to turn to your right, it's going to cost you like four movement points. If you want to turn to your left, it's going to cost you one movement point. So you have to think about that 
based on, you know, like, okay, I'm going to attack this guy, but I want to make sure that he's on the correct side so that I can wheel around properly. Otherwise, you know, my whole formation is going to be screwed up and he's going to be able to route me. So really cool movement roles that I'm interested in playing with some more. And, and like you said, with the big maps, that becomes much more important. When you're playing a small scenario, you're like, march, 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 shoot, and you're done. But with the big maps, you know, you've got a lot of terrain you've got to get through, and you have to get into right attack position. So you could I'm die, looking forward to playing You more. could die of dysentery on the way. Yeah, you could. You could. I think if you roll a, roll a double zero, you, you're, you die of dysentery. Hmm. Unless First. you've got, like, medicine with you on, on your wagon. Oh, wait, no, that's Oregon Trail. Yes. <laughs> and then I've been playing some RPGs too, continuing to play Call of Cthulhu and Warhammer Fantasy. Um, playing, We're playing one on Roll20, and the other one we're actually playing on a new tool that I've never used before called Virtual Tabletop, I want to say. Let me check the link on that. I think that's what it's called. Um, vir- Foundry, Foundry Virtual Tabletop. Um, and it's basically, it's... It's kind of like Roll20, but the DM actually runs it from his computer at home, and we all just connect to ports on his computer. It's really good for uh, Warhammer Fantasy because it's got a lot of built-in tools. It's got a lot of games that has support for, um, and you do have to pay for it. Um, you know, there's no free version, I don't think, like there is for Roll20. But from what I've seen so far, it might be worth it. I'm actually considering doing it for the next time I run a game online. Now, uh, my friend Chris has been talking it up um, a yeah. good bit. It it must be new, I guess. Let's take a look at the game systems. I hadn't heard of it before, but yeah, I just I literally just heard about it a few weeks ago when he started talking about it. And again, I wonder like how it works. I know with some of the other ones, like on uh, Shadowgrounds or whatever, you'll have an official version, quote unquote, and then you'll have ones that people just made you know uh, so i don't know i do see yeah. that they have burning wheel on here yeah they've got a bunch on there and so does it like enforce rules or what does it mean when it has the system on there so it's hard to say because i've only seen it from a player's point of view but from a player's point of view so when we play warhammer fantasy on there um it's got the character sheets up there it knows how experience is spent so like I go to my character sheet and I just literally click on the skill that I want to raise and it takes off the right amount of experience. Um, and that's not as simple as like everything costs one or five. It, it depends on where you are in your progression and everything. So it's smart enough to know all that. Um, it's got a compendium that's basically the rule book. And like if you want to switch careers, you can go to the rule book. And you can drag that new career onto your character sheet, and it'll instantly know that your character is now part of this career, and it'll change, you know, what stats you can raise and how much stuff costs and what skills you have and all that. So it's pretty smart in that respect. Um, as far as, like, rolling dice and everything, it works basically like Roll20 does, where, you know, you click the skill and it says, you know, you rolled a 12, that's a hard success, whatever. Yeah, I wonder, like where the maps and stuff come from is it or is it like kind of a generic kind of thing or i don't know that but what i do know is part of the reason rgm wanted to switch over is because the quality of the graphics on vtt was so much better than it was on roll 20 and i don't know why that is um i can i'll ask him and find out i don't know if it's built in or if it's because he was able to load in higher resolution graphics or what but they really are like when you zoom in it makes a big big difference 
Okay. Uh, I did have a question. I was curious as to what is the plot of your uh, Call of Cthulhu game? So actually, we just started. Matt, who was our guest host last time, uh, he's the GM. Uh, so we don't really know because we're only a couple of hours into it. It takes place in Kansas City in like 19... Let's say 24, 25, 26, somewhere around that, you know, Call of Cthulhu classic era. Um, and so far, all we know that a, a friend of ours who's a musician has sort of gone catatonic and may have sold his soul to some guy that is turning his music into magic. That's about all we know so far. Okay, so there's no ocean near Kansas City, so it can't be Cthulhu. That's about all I got. Well... Call it Cthulhu, uh, Cthulhu is he has different aspects, so. But he loves Who, water. I don't know. It's a thing. Yeah, there's, there's a so, river. I noticed that Mork Borg is not on, uh, on Foundry BTT. So, I well I Adam's out. I well I don't think it. Would, <laughs> I don't think it would be hard. You know, you just kind of take Microsoft Paint and just move your thing around, <laughs> and there you go. It's gonna be cool. Or you just play something else and you do you do acid until it looks like Mark Borg. Yeah, look, I've been going down a rabbit hole for like a week on um, uh, what is the is it old school OSR right old yeah, school old school Re Renaissance. Yeah, I've been going down a rabbit hole. I love that they have this whole section that just keeps getting weirder and weirder and weirder. They're like, okay, well, you know, you maybe you're, you know. Uh, Lamentations of the Flame Princess, and then you, you know, you start going down this path, and it gets more and trippy, more acidy. You know, uh, I actually ended up ordering a rulebook for Troika. That's another really bizarre one. <laughs> yeah, it's another one that looks like you need to be on acid. To yeah, it, it really is. It's just crazy, and yeah, I I like this that this is like a thing, and yeah, so RPGs as performance art. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I I dig it. And I actually, you know, I backed that last Morkboard thing with the um, with with the record, and then I got a copy of Morkborg. Gosh, it's, again, the Swedish chef um, <laughs> it, it, rule book, and I guess it, it will arrive whenever my record arrives. And so there you go, and we'll see. Speaking of sending things out, uh, we still have Christmas cards. Got lots of those to hand out. I think I had like five or six um, addresses come in through email today. And so there'll be a link in the show notes. I'll send you a Chance of Gaming um, Hex Encounter War Game Christmas card. So there you go. You can get that. And I'll have it linked in the show notes where you can go. And the other thing, and I'm immediately going to go to Board Game Geek and talk about how unrealistic it is and how you've got the Panzers all wrong. <laughs> well, I didn't design it; it came from turn, <laughs> from Turning Point Simulation, so you can talk to them. And if it's bad, I'll say so. You know, it's, it's not like they gave it to me for free. You know, I actually, yeah, I paid for that. All right. So, we have a sponsor at uh, Mike at AlterDementia.com. That's Alter Three Dementia, and uh, being linked in the show notes. And he is having a 15 days of Christmas sale. Ho, ho, ho. From today until Christmas, take 15% off with the entire order. Uh, with the fifth, Take 15% off your entire order with code HOLIDAYS. However, don't we get 20% off with um, COG 2019? Does it add up? That's the question. I don't know. 
if Mike isn't very savvy on his uh, HTML on the back end, it might stack. You might check that out. I don't know. But probably not. So you don't want to fool with holidays. You want COG 2019. That's the one you want. Where you can get like a cool, he's got like a, a ship that uh, he's uh, 3D printing. I've looked kind of hard at the uh, the sci-fi dungeon stuff he's got that uh, you can print off the ill-gotten games ZOD terrain uh, because I've become really interested in um, Metamorphosis, Metamorphosis Alpha. So, I don't know. But get over there, check it out. And, you know, use COG 2019. It's much better than holidays. So there you go. So anyway, on to what's on your radar. And the first thing I have was Takur. I'm assuming, T-A-K-K-U-R-E, a sci-fi rugby game, which is available for pre-order. Apparently, it was... Takur Sci-Fi Rugby. Sounds like a Mad Lib. It does. It was from Zenit Miniatures, who does uh, a couple of different games that I can't think of offhand. But anyway, the reason Metal why... figures. I, the reason why I tossed this on here was because, like, if you're familiar with Blood Bowl, Blood Bowl is um, fantasy rugby, and uh, so this is sci-fi rugby. Now, I know Mantic Games has some kind of sci-fi ball game, but I don't know what it is. It's not important. What is important is Takir, a sci-fi rugby game. Now, Zenit Miniatures, if I remember correctly, are out of Spain, so you're going to end up paying Euros for this. And, but at least you won't have to pay VATs or anything like that. The figures are really cool. I really like uh, Tackley. <laughs> you see that weird little guy? I don't know what he is. Is he, like, is he the guy that, is he the ref? I don't know. Oh. Tackley. It's like, uh, like uh, was it, what's the character in Adventure Time? that's like a Game Boy. Oh, uh, Bebo Har or whatever. Harbo, yeah, something like that. Harbo. We're going to go with Harbo. It's <laughs> um, sugar-free Harbos, just in case you need trouble pooping. You have trouble pooping. <laughs> Get your sugar-free Harbos. So, Bemo. Bemo, right? that's it, yeah. Yeah. So this is up. Apparently, uh, they kick-started it about a year ago, and uh, you can order it. So, that'll Metal figures, I think, is cool. It's nice. Yeah. The next thing we had is Dystopian Wars is freaking finally coming out. The new starter box set is called Hunt for the Prometheus. And um, I did... Now, I think... Uh, when I originally posted the, this on here, this is the only link I could find from the outpost.co.uk. But it's actually available on Miniature Market... And uh, let's see, it is pre-ordering in American dollars for $93.99. The retail price on it is $110.33, and so there's a, you know, the miniature market discount brings it down to $93.99. So I don't know when it's going to release. I think first quarter of 2021, no, it's supposed to be February 2021, from War Cradle, War Cradle Studios. Now, I know a whole bunch of us who previously owned the rulebook for this. They did this whole thing where 
we take a picture of ourselves holding up the rule book, and uh, they used that in a lot of uh, social media advertising. And in exchange, we're supposed to get a free copy of the new rule book. So, I'm so hoping, yeah. So is this a second edition then? This is well, I want to say this is about the third edition. Oh, okay. Yeah, because another company had this. And that company went tits up, and so now it was purchased by War War Cradle, who and then rolled into its Wild West Exodus universe as well. So this will be, uh, well, I know the the previous game was Sea, Air, and Land in roughly three six millimeter whatever, but it was still big giant ships, and um, with this. Steampunk. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely steampunk. Because, uh-huh. you know, it's like, you know, the Covenant of Antarctica, Japan, you know, all these different factions that they have. Uh, Prussia, it all takes it all takes place around turn of the century, around World War One or when World War One would have happened. I don't know what the actual background is on it, but uh, looks like Hunt for the Prometheus is a naval game, but I do not know if yeah, it, it's also going to have the land aspect as well as the air aspect. So, I don't know, but we'll see going forward. Oh, that does remind me. Remember Mantic Games came out with Armada, their fantasy game? And I was really excited. Is that the one with, like, the orc ships yeah. and stuff? Yeah, okay. I was really excited, and I tried really, really hard <laughs> to get a demo copy in my local store. And they assured me it would be there in November. It never showed up. So, you know what? I'm just pushing regular Armada, Star Wars Armada, you know, here on out. Because, I mean, what can I do? It's like, how can I now take that and try to demo stuff in the store? And everybody's like, well, we just got, like, Star Wars Armada. So, yeah, can't help you. But I'll probably pick up the Dwarven Fleet when it comes out in February. Anyway. So, uh, the next thing we had, I guess I should have tossed this on um, the What's on Your Radar. There is a card game called Karuta in Japan. And it's actually, they have a competitive version of this. And this isn't like magic. This is a game that apparently has been around since like, uh, the late 1800s and it is uh, the best I could come up with it's something like a card version of chess it's that kind of thing it, you you have a deck 100 cards that has a poem on it and I just thought it was really interesting you know I'm always fascinated to find stuff like this exists in the world and has existed for a long time and has still, you know, and it's still going on. I discovered it by, um, it, apparently there was an anime and a manga about a, uh, the main character apparently is a wannabe, uh, competitive player in this particular world, so, yeah, it's just interesting. So, I figured, you know, if any weeaboos are listening, they might want to jump on this. So they can, when they finally make it over there to Japan, they can possibly play this game. So there's poetry reading involved in it. Yes, it is. To me, it sounds very, very much, very samurai-esque. Even though you're not petting a fox, it's still very (laughs) samurai-esque, you know. So your deck of cards each has a poem on each card. And the reciter 
starts reading the poem, and then it's a race to find that poem card in your deck. Hmm. Yeah, and um, the the main reason why I could never play this is you have to memorize the entire freaking poem. So yeah, I, I couldn't do that. Huh. You know, I, I always failed memorization in school. They're like, yeah, you, we're going to learn all, you know, all the capitals and all the states. I'm like, no, we're not. I'm just going to, I'm going to fail this and I'm going to move on. <laughs> it just, no, no, no I, I can't do it. Can't memorize that much. I can't hold that much, infor- that much useless information. You can I, hold some, but I not could, that yeah, much. Yes, some, but I mean, dadgum, 50 states and 50 capitals. <laughs> I mean, I might be able to name all 50 states. I don't know. We'll do that for a Patreon episode as Adam tries to name all 50 states. I will absolutely not name all 50 capitals. I don't even begin to know those. So my daughter the other day was said, Mom, quiz me on state capitals. And my wife goes, Alabama. And I said, A. <laughs> a? Yeah. It's the capital of Alabama. A. Yeah. Oh, I get Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> took me a minute there. I got it there. Yeah. So moving on, uh, Modifi- Modifius details Dune, Adventures in the Imperium RPG. Now, I've got to wonder, like, at this point, where does Modifius get all this money for all these licenses they have? It seems like if, they, if there is a semi-prominent or very prominent um, IP... For a role-playing game, they have it, and uh, makes me, you know, they got Star Trek. Wait, and didn't Asmodee lose Star Wars? There's something going on there. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't remember the exact details, but yes, there's there's a lot of shuffling going on in Asmodee right now. Because I mean, that that all is very, you know, very very possible. Because it's not like you know when you get it, like, hey, I got this, I got the Star Wars license. You don't get it forever. You sign a contract that says, you know, I'll make this, you know, I'll have it for this long, two, three years, five years, whatever, and then uh, it comes up again. And well, Disney may have got like a better offer somewhere, or they just woke up one day and decided, hey. I'm going to make my own, my own RPG, and like has happened before. But looking briefly at Modifius, they have um, Elder, they had the Elder Scrolls miniature game. They have the Conan license, um, Tales from the Loop, Mutant Zero. They have uh, Infinity. They have Star Trek. They have Mutant Chronicles, but I don't think they've done anything with that. Same with Space 1889 and Jammer and Acton Cthulhu, but I don't think they've done anything with that. They have um, Dishonored and uh, Alien as well. Although, I'm, out of all that, I've, I've been very interested like in Star Trek, but the problem is, to me, is um, their stuff is kind of expensive, uh, just in like for like what you get. Like looking at the miniatures and and stuff like that, it's just kind of eh, just a little expensive. Now, granted, they're really nice. It's a big, thick, uh, hardback rule book. It has really nice artwork, and you know, yeah, but it's expensive. I don't know. 
They also have John Carter. Oh my gosh, they have Kung Fu Panda. That is a really exclusive <laughs> license right there. They have got that. Whatever will they do with that? Hmm. But anyway, all that to say, they have the Dune RPG, and it's coming out. And I'm kind of interested in this because I would take this and use it as kind of a guide to help me figure out what's going on in the books I'm reading. Once I get past the second or third Dune book, it gets super weird and super out there. So, um, yeah, I could use this to know, like, you know, who's what. You know, I can't figure out, you know, who the Baron is without a program, so I should get my program right there. So this new thing uh, will be entitled... No, I thought it was entitled The Spice... No, it's Adventures in the Imperium. So there you go. Yeah. Are you guys fans of the IP? Read the book? Anything? I read the book in high school, and I am, although it's I've kind of slacked off, uh, I'm rereading it now. I don't think I've ever consumed a single thing, Dune, except that I know that the spice must flow, just because that's out there on I the internet. I think I read books one and two, and then my high school library did not have anything beyond that. Other than the, uh, they had an encyclopedia, which I thought was pretty cool. Now, uh, it says here in this press release, I'll have linked in the show notes, that this game is based on the Dune sci-fi series from Hank, Frank Herbert, but it also mentions Brian Herbert and Kevin J. Anderson. So, if you didn't know, Frank Herbert wrote this series of books and died at some point, and at some point... His son, Brian, who is not a writer, decided to kind of cash in on it. And I guess whatever publishing house took him up on the offer partnered him with uh, Kevin J. Anderson, who's written a bunch of Star Wars books and some other stuff. And uh, they have produced kind of the rest of the history of the universe, kind of like all the prequels and stuff like that. In a very kind of, most people seem to agree, uh, mediocre way, especially in comparison to Frank Herbert. Now, the first book, Dune, by Frank Herbert, is very approachable. I would recommend it to anybody. You should get that rich. Read it. Uh, the second it's one... It's just called Dune? Dune, yep. Okay. The second one is kind of, uh, it's okay, and then they get super freaking weird more progressively further <laughs> out they do and um i will say okay the david lynch movie is awesome but it has almost nothing to do with the book dune besides the people's names and uh you really need to watch like the four five six hour cut whatever it is to have a better understanding of what's going on and the soundtrack is by toto and it's awesome and i own it on vinyl but past that, if you want to actually get an idea of like what's going on, the sci-fi miniseries Dune is really good. And the, okay, and, yep. And the, I haven't seen that. And the sequel to it, which was the second and the third book combined, is really good, too. And so they, they follow along closely to the book, and so you get an idea of the story. So there you go. So I'll pick this up uh, eventually for sure, but I may wait. You know, until it gets cheaper, because I'm cheap. Because, you know, Modifius has um, John Carter, and I picked it up on sale uh, recently uh, from 
Amazon really cheap. And uh, yeah, maybe I will actually journey to Barsoon at some point, perhaps on Roll20 or Shadowgrounds or something. I don't know. I gotta say, I love the um, production quality of them uh, because what sets them out sets them apart from other RPGs is their, I don't know how to describe it, instead of like the regular RPG book size, cut that in half and make them wider. They're those kind of books, kind of like, almost like kids books, you know, that are kind of like that, that are about, you know, 12, 14 inches wide and only about like six inches tall. That's how they <laughs> did their books to just be different. I don't know. Maybe they got a deal from the printer to do it that way. So moving on, the next thing we have is Hyborian War. And uh, in looking up some Conan RPG stuff, I discovered there is a play-by-email war game. Actually, I think it's play-by-mail, like actual physical (laughs) mail. Old school. Yeah, old school. That is still, it's been going on for a very long time, and it's actually a war game in which so you can go you can set up your kingdom and and all this different stuff let's see uh what it costs if you're requesting is it looks like it's just like eight bucks and you get a it says you will receive detailed rules no crappy small rules there detailed a rulership manual your kingdom's national map a 20 by 25 and a half Hyborian world wall map and your game setup free of charge and without obligation. So actually, no, that's you get it free for the first time for each once after that you're charged an $8 fee. And if their turn fees, okay, this is where they make their money. Every time you play a turn, it's five bucks. <laughs> for, for for a small kingdom, seven dollars for medium and nine dollars for a large kingdom. Turn fees are payable in advance of each turn. <laughs> ah, that's kind of interesting. I kind of want to message them and just you know just see what the kit looks like. You know, well you can get the kit for free. Right? I know, right? You get it free. I mean, there's no loss there. It's like, what is it? You know, and. And how do I like? How do I, you know, work this scam where I can do a game like that, where it's like, no, 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 Rich, if you want to play this turn, I'm gonna need like 14 bucks to play it. Come on, you know you want to. But I don't know. To me, in the year 2020, it's just kind of amazing that a play-by-mail game is still going. You know, I kind of figured all these things died when uh, with the internet, or at least moved over to play-by email but no no no. you you know (laughs) yeah i talked earlier about that that old avalon hill game we were playing last weekend and it was funny because it still had the catalog in there and everything and you know it's got you know if you have any questions or anything please write to this address and i was just thinking how funny it would be i I had to write to them and ask them some weird question see if there's anyone (laughs) like dude this this company closed like 20 years ago Yeah, who who's at that address now? It's probably yeah. a um, a cleaner or something. You know. Yeah, probably like a yeah. Sir, this is a Wendy's. You know? <laughs> yeah, that would be the response. Yeah. 
So moving on, uh, this was kind of a surprise announcement last night. Uh, Warlord Games woke up and decided to uh, do 15mm American Civil War. And uh, yeah, this most people seem to agree <clears throat> this thing is a tremendous value. Now I know uh, to just buy the... Uh, the box set, the um, the starter set for whatever, um, is about two hundred thirty bucks. You get um, how many of these guys? You get uh, fifteen regiments, fifteen cannon, fifteen commanders for basically both sides, roughly. You get a black powder rule book um, and a bunch of other stuff. You get terrain. You get one, two, three, four five buildings you get some fences actually you get more than that some of these are double you get two four six you get six buildings snake fences and oh yes six d6 dice if you you know if you didn't need that didn't have those and uh i've seen a lot of people talking about it like where you click on where you can browse the full run of it and the brigade price in here is amazing. You're getting, uh, I think it's like $32 for like 1,500 men for uh, 1,500 figures or whatever in here. I've seen multiple people talk about that. I'm sorry. It's three regiments of 100 men each, three cannons and three commanders. So it's 315 millimeter men, uh, guys in plastic for 32 bucks. Not to mention, you know, you also get three cannons and three commanders. So it's a really good deal. Most people seem to uh, agree on that. Um, I know a lot of people that were very interested in doing American Civil War. You know, Matt from History on the uh, Table... I would mm -hmm. highly recommend hop in, hop in on this one if you're wanting to do figures. And I know a local guy uh, that I play Legion with has always been like, man, I really want to do, you know, American Civil War. Maybe when we finish Bolt Action or whatever, you know, might do that. So this would be a really good deal, especially you got to think, what is NWS going to sell this thing at? If it's currently, you can pre-order it for $250 uh, from Warlord Games. What is NWS going to turn around and sell it for? You know, speaking of, I have been quite disappointed uh, in the lack of holiday sales, but he says they're coming after Christmas, so we'll see where that goes. But anyway, big news, Warlord Games is getting into 15mm plastic American Civil War. So, there you go. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. I saw that too, and yeah, definitely, um, I'm not quite ready to make that jump yet, but one of these days. Yeah. So the, the thought of painting all that. Uh, yeah, I mean, how many did I say? See, one, <laughs> one, each regiment is three hundred guys. Chris, I guess at that size, I mean, they're all. It's you know, I mean, you can just like take take the blue the blue brush and just go across all their pants together. And <laughs> which honestly, I think they come. Um, the they, I think they come on a sprue. Yes, but they also come like already blue or already oh, okay. already uh 
gray so, or, or so whatever Union it is. Union and Confederate are different colors, even though the minis themselves aren't painted. Right, right. Okay. You know, like some board games do. And, uh, yeah. uh, and I'm also almost positive they're the exact same sculpt for both sides. So, you know, I mean, granted, oh, okay. that just makes it cheaper to make, I guess. Yeah. You know, so. So the next thing we had was 18 Magarosevazag. Did yeah, you... we'll go with that. Yeah. What is this, Rich? So it's a new 18xx game. I thought it looked pretty interesting. Uh, 18x games are, are train games, you know, stock games. You know, you're usually owning railroad companies and building track and stuff like that. Uh, this one looks brand new. Uh, it is brand new. Um, I I thought it was interesting. It mostly caught my attention because it's a Hungarian, um, which anything Hungarian is going to get my attention. But it looked like it had some pretty different mechanics from any other 18x game that i've played uh in particular the ones that kind of jumped out to me were um it looks like the trains when you the companies always pay out their earnings 50 50 all the trains are available from the beginning which i don't think i've ever seen that in 18x6 game and no trains ever rest or go obsolete so um i backed it it's it's it, I just found out about it this morning. It's already hit its numbers, so it, it's going to happen. They wanted what? What they want? Like they didn't want that much, twenty four thousand or something. A measly uh, twenty four grand. Yeah, and they're all already over twenty six with yeah. a month to go. They're, so eighteen yeah. X games are, are are getting pretty popular right now. I'm sure this one will do really well. But I thought it looked cool. All right. So did they have a really big one? No, no, no. I was hoping like for four hundred and forty um, euros. They'd fly you to Hungary and ride you on a train or something. I don't know. Well, actually, so it would be pretty cool. My, um, I was, before COVID hit, I was actually planning on going to Hungary next year. That's delayed. It might be the year after, but it'd be pretty cool if I took this game with me and got to play it there. On a train. Yeah, on just, a train. <laughs> just to be weird. He's that guy. Like, what is yeah. this guy doing? I don't know. He's, he's from America. So just, yeah. All right. So the next thing we have is the King's Dilemma. That's me. Kings often have a lot of dilemmas. So I've heard about this game, and it won uh, the Spiel the Yaris 2020, or at least it was a nominee. Um, the King's Dilemma is a, it's a game where you play the Council of Advisors to the King. So if you think about Game of Thrones, where you have, uh, was it Richard? Is uh, Robert. Robert, yes. Uh, it's kind of his group of advisors kind of doing their intrigue to um, just make decisions, help the king make decisions for the, the country. And so there will be cards in there that will say, like, there's a town down south that's getting um, having problems with with uh, uh, invaders or, or you know, uh, robbers or whatever. So what should we do? Should we send a, a contingent of the king's men down there to kind of put down this? Uh, or to you know defend this 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 little hamlet, and if we do that, then there's maybe this benefit will happen, maybe this other benefit will happen. Um, but whatever this whatever actually happens is a little bit um, beside the point because you're trying to like move the influence markers in your direction. And so everybody has a secret uh, objective that they want. Well, okay, so I need to have the, you know, the education marker here, and I need to have the poverty marker here or whatever. And so it's an ongoing, it's a legacy game. So if you play it 
turn over turn over turn, there's this unfolding story that happens. Um, so it's it's very much a game, as I understand it, of um, debate and uh, thinking about you know what we ought to do. So if you remember from Twilight Imperium, there's the uh, I forget what it's called the the Senate. Yeah. There's the the voting voting, phase, voting uh-huh. on yeah. So I think it's kind of very much just kind of focusing on that um, part of Twilight Imperium where you're negotiating back and forth. Well, if you do this for me, then I'll back you on the other thing that you're doing, you know, the next time around. Um, so the King's Dilemma is a game I've been I've been really kind of weighing playing, but with COVID, I don't. There's it seems like it'd be hard to get it to the tabletop, but I don't know. It looks cool. And that's the king's dilemma. Now, Twilight Imperium is something I actually want to give a shot, you know, post-COVID. Where I don't think it would actually be hard to find a game. I'll just pull out a Saturday, you know, to do mm-hmm. it, to play all day and get a group together. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to give it a shot mm-hmm. and see, since all the cool kids play it, everybody talks about it. So, you know. I think I've, had, I've played it three times, maybe. And Rich, you've played this quite a bit. Or played Twilight two. Imperium? Yeah. Twilight. Yeah. I've never played this one, but yes, TI I've played quite a bit. Okay. That's one that I really miss. I have not even tried to play that online or anything. I, I mean you can, tabletop simulator, but I haven't bothered with that. Being in a room on that game I think is is really important. And that's so I missed that one. I'll, I'll play it next year. Oh yeah. And that's so like the King's Dilemma, Twilight Imperium is one of those games that encourages I mean it's it's a it's a board game, but it encourages role-playing, too. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Betrayal at House on the Hill is another one of those games that, you know, it's ostensibly a board game, but it also encourages uh, role-playing aspect to it. That's one I've owned for years, but I've never got to the table. And, mm. uh, you know, that's that's one that you... that should be easy, you know, to to find opponents with or you know you talk your family into playing with it as i understand it it's you know it's not very complicated and it's supposed to be fun and you know and so mm-hmm. i don't know you give it a shot is there been a uh, electronic version of it made yet i know there's a lot of board games coming over to steam i don't really know i don't think so just curious because it's i mean isn't it basically kind of like a werewolf type game or are you exploring and then it's somebody becomes the monster or something? You So you're laying out tiles um, and you can move as a, one of the, the group, you can move into a, into a room. And so like, if you flip a particular card, it'll say, okay, there's an item here. Um, so flip a card from the item deck or there's uh what's the, I can't remember the, um, there's, there are certain items that are very significant where once they flip up, then it starts to, okay, you kind of move it into the main story of the game where um, somebody's going to gonna go rogue. So everybody, you, you, you play as a group to begin with, and then eventually when the hunt starts, one or more of the players will kind of turn into the bad guy. And there's a, there's a scenario, there's different scenarios based on who goes where and does what. Which reminds me, I have heard rumors that they are 
redo going to reskin Battlestar Galactica since apparently they've lost you know they lost the license or whatever and they can't reprint it they're reskinning it and I cannot think of the name of the IP they're going to reskin it with and people are wondering well how's that going to work but I don't know but yes rumors are going around have y'all ever played Galactica Battlestar Galactica I have not no it, but I I hear people really dig it Oh, yeah. I mean, beyond just the IP itself, people really, really like the mechanic of it, you know, because somebody's a Cylon, and you don't know who it is, and yeah, anyway. So. It'll be the Wally uh, reskin. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. <laughs> Moving on, um, Modifius, again, is teasing new Elder Scrolls Call to Arms set, sets, plural, that include... The Drummer, Dark Brotherhood, The Blades, Thieves Guild, Nightingales, and um, I just tossed this in here because they have a really, really cool-looking dragon as part of this. You guys have played Skyrim, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and it's... I, uh, I'm i not that big into the lore of Skyrim, but um, I like the game. I like the mechanics, even though all I ever do is, you know, I'm a stealth archer every freaking, every freaking time. <laughs> no matter what you say you're going to be, you end up as a stealth archer. <laughs> every freaking time. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, so that's, I don't know. I originally was kind of interested in these, and we were going to carry them at the local store, but it just didn't happen. Everybody got interested in other stuff. I'm assuming it is a skirmish game that plays kind of like um, the Fallout game. And there's a guy I know that's absolutely crazy about the, uh, the Fallout game. Loves it. Loves the mechanics, loves the figures, everything. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh, moving on. I guess I should have tossed this in the, uh, the previous thing. Uh, the same company that has... Um, Dystopian Wars also has Drop Fleet Commander, if I'm doing that correctly. Is it TT Combat? Let's mm -hmm. see. Yeah. Link seems to be busted. Yeah, I have to cut. I have to cut and paste in it. Let me let me double check. Yeah, I don't know anything about this IP or anything, but those uh that Scourge Battle Fleet, those guys look really cool. Yeah, I could act I actually have one of those uh in my garage. I could send it to you, Rich. <laughs> Excellent. I have um, no idea what I'll do with it, but sure. <laughs> yeah, uh you could possibly you could end up playing this game and love it. No, 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 I'm sorry. War Cradle Studios had Dystopian Wars and then TT Combat, which is a really weird name, um has Drop Fleet Commander and they also have uh Drop Zone Commander. But yeah, I love the UCM ships in this. And see, I kind of like, this is what I would rather play instead of, like, um, Star Wars Armada. Yeah. So I don't have to worry about, like, oh, I have to put Lando or I have to put, you know, Leia over here and this, that, and the other. I would much rather be a different IP, I guess, or a unique IP instead of having to go with, like, wow... My Rebels really suck. I hope that next cartoon has a really cool ship for them in it, you know? <laughs> I hate get, I hate getting stuck with that, you know? Or that honestly happens a lot, you know, 
with any of these Star Wars IP, I'm like, where, you know, hey, here's this guy. Where did he come from? And they're like, oh, he's in episode 37 of season 14 of, you know, Rebels. And yeah. in one scene, he was in the background. And so I'm so like, you're going to, like, tweet at Dave Filoni and say, hey, could you, like, make a, like, a heavy fighter? Because I could really use that in X-Wing. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. Anyway. Oh, yeah, X-Wing's even worse. Because they're pull, they're pulling stuff from not you know novels and yeah all this stuff and yeah anyway uh, the next thing I had was establishing a wargaming insert insurgency at the university and again this is coming from the Rand Corporation and I toss this kind of stuff in here this is generally about to get. Um, I wanted to toss this in here because I was very disappointed when I finally made it to big boy college, you know, big boy school and college and a history major and every single class. I would talk to the professor, you know, afterward, like, Hey, you know, are you, are you, you do any war gaming, any miniature gaming, anything like that? And they're like, no, never, <laughs> never ran into a single one. Cause I thought like maybe they would kind of go hand in hand with it. And, but no, I was, disappointed with it and uh this article argues for actually bringing in some of these to help as to help the next generation of leaders grow and i want to say is it mark um not simonich the the is it is it walker damn it ah <sighs> Mark something that's the big designer that actually does consulting for companies, and he wrote a book on wargaming for leaders. I can't think of the name of it. But anyway, that's what this article made me think of uh, him. I swear, I thought it was Mark H. Walker. Am I wrong, Rich? Is that not the guy? Uh, I mean, are you, trying to th are you thinking of Mark Herman? Ah, uh, yes, maybe. Yes, maybe, maybe. Hang on. Mark Herman's the guy that did Empire of the Sun as, as well as a bunch of other games. Is that who you're thinking of? Because I didn't know that he wrote a book, but maybe he did. Let's see. Yes, yes, he is. It, oh, is, okay. it is entitled Wargaming for Leaders, Strategic Decision Making from the Battlefield to the Boardroom by Mark Herman. Oh, and I'll have this cool. linked in the show notes. You can Yeah, get... I will say... So for this article, not so much universities, but like the war colleges, um, Mitch Land does a lot of that. He he travels around and visits the the war colleges and stuff and, and plays these games with them. Really? That's yeah. cool. Yeah. How do we, you know, that's that's really, really cool. Um, okay, I guess that kind of makes sense um, that you would want to tap in guys like that. Like Volca was uh, also some kind of consultant, right? I think he still works for the CIA, yeah, actually, CIA, unless yeah. he's retired, but yeah, yeah. The agents that are listening in now are, say, yes, yes, Rich, he, <laughs> he does. He still works for them. Or no, 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 they say you can't say. I do like how it, it mentions the different publishers. You know, it mentions Phalanx, which surprised me, uh, GMT, MMP. I was very happy to see Hollandspiel on here because I feel like they don't get a lot of credit. Everybody says MMP and GMT. I really think Hollandspiel should be right there with them with some of the innovative stuff they're doing. And it does mention Worthington Publishing as well. I feel like they're kind of, you know, not considered that big. 
But um, yeah, this is just kind of really neat stuff, and it's a whole long article, and I'll let you read it. But yeah, it's wargaming for leadership is essentially kind of the the thing, and uh, yeah, I'm all for this. I wish this would have been in college when I was there, and yeah. So I mean, can you imagine though? I, I mean, I, I say that, but then you know, if I'm having to take a final on like uh some scenario in, in <laughs> advanced squad leader you know what am i going to do because it's like i love so, yeah what what's interesting though is when i was in college i was navy rotc so i mean i was like the perfect candidate for this i literally i do not know anyone 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 in the rotc program or anywhere else in college at the time this is early 90s that had anything to do with war games it was just it was unheard of I mean, when I was a kid, I played Axis and Allies, but by the time I was in college, I didn't play that anymore. But I'd certainly be cool. I mean, it's it's a different world than it was now, but yeah, I I can imagine being in ROTC or or you know one of the academies or whatever, and 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 playing war games. It certainly makes sense. Ah, oh, man, that would just be really. I, of course, you know, I say again, I say it would be really cool, but then the reality is I would have to like beat a certain scenario or I don't pass. And then I would, you know, yeah, I would not do well. Yeah, the <laughs> only games we played was uh Nintendo football. <laughs> well, there you go. You know, you learned a lot about, you know, South Asian economics and the strength yeah. of China's Navy and all that from that game. I understand that. No, we, ju we just played Madden. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Not Tech Mobile. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, we played Madden. Ah. Uh, so, the next thing we had, um, Gen Con has announced its dates, and uh, I found, this was really, really interesting. Uh, it's currently set for August 5th of the 8th in Indianapolis, Indiana. So I see this pop up on Twitter, and it's it's got like 60 comments you know, at the time when I saw it, and they're all like, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going, no, no, not going to happen, blah, 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 blah. So I'm like, wow, man, that, that sounds bad. Let me go check hotels. And this post had been up for like four hours. Every single fucking hotel in a half-mile <laughs> radius had sold out. So that was going to be my question is, are we talking full size? But apparently we are. Well, I mean... They, they haven't said anything yet. All they did was like, hey, these are the dates. I mean, th they could cancel like they did last year, you know? Or was it... Yeah, it was 2020 that they canceled. So yeah. uh, that could have... You'd have no idea what's going to happen. But every single hotel in at, the time, at that time at a half-mile radius was sold out. And then at the half-mile level, I was looking at... Um, hotel rooms that were like $400 a night. <laughs> you know, that's just insane. And because uh, the first thing I did was like look at Airbnb and yeah. they were like all sold out but two, like within a two mile radius. And I was like, why are these still available? Oh, they're $1,000 a night. That's why. <laughs> so, uh, and I promise you, man, eventually those are going to sell. It's crazy. Because uh, I mean, I think when I stayed, I stayed like a... 20 30 minute uber drive away and i was still paying like 150 175 a night something like that so there you go listeners if you want that first-hand coverage from adam you're gonna have to pay for his thousand dollar night ah! airbnb oh yeah so yeah let's let's do a um 
a GoFundMe or a Kickstarter. <laughs> so it's, let's see, it's okay. It's August fifth to the eighth. Okay, I'd have to arrive on the fourth. You know, so that's one night, and then five, six, seven, and I'll leave on the eighth. So it's essentially just four nights. I just need a measly four grand. Yep, there you go. It's and a, pictures for Robot Roy. It's a four. It's four grand. Yeah, yeah. You give me four grand, and yeah, I'll everybody that donates at <laughs> a certain level will get uh, Robot Roy T-shirts in only one size that may or may not fit. And so, yeah. So they they actually haven't even like opened up for badges yet because usually badges are for sale now because they do like a Black Friday thing. And so yeah, if you were signed up for last year, are isn't everything just going to roll over? So there might not even be much open because you would think the first shot would go to the people that were signed up for last year. I mean, some of them are going to say, no, I can't make it this year. But a significant number of them are going to be like, yeah, just roll it over from what I paid last year. Yes, yes, that is supposed to happen. It is they're supposed to immediately roll over, and you can do it. But man, at least anecdotally, looking at like Twitter, all these people are like, "No, I'm not going. No, I'm scared." Yeah, I, I mean that could be because people like you're you're more likely to post, "No, I'm not going. This is stupid," than you are gonna post, "Hey, awesome, I'll be there." You know. That is true. That is very true. Uh, I know. Personally, you know, with the vaccine coming out, and I mean, they're already people are getting shot as we speak. Oh yeah, and I I, I was told I will just because of who I work for and everything, I'll probably get mine in about two or three months. See, I would figure, wow, even I would say I would figure everybody maybe by March, but maybe not. Maybe no, I think it's going to be. I think it's going to be closer to the beginning of the summer before we're before we're at the point where pretty much everyone has been vaccinated. Okay. So, I mean, with that, it's like I feel really, really confident in like going to like a large convention, you know, yeah. w- with that, with the vaccine being done. I know not everybody's going to take it. I feel like the vast majority of people will. And look, I always like work really hard to uh, protect myself from con crud anyway, you know, it's, I'm, yeah, that I'm, was already an issue. <laughs> yeah. Cause um, that's, yeah, you'll come home from a convention and just be like, almost have the flu, just be really sick or, you know, whatever it is. And so I've always like hand sanitizer, you know, and all this stuff. I guess the only thing would be different is maybe wearing a mask and, you know, Wow that would probably protect you from concrete as well. But I would also say it's, you know, it's August. Maybe you would, you would rather trade comfort in, in a normal year. This year may be different. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I am, I'm, I'm interested. I'm very, very interested. And right now I'm going to say I'm planning on trying to go. But of course, all that depends on, can I get people to go with me? I mean, I don't really want to drive by myself. And then the other thing is, is like, I don't want to put a hotel bill by myself either. So, right. You know, I will say uh, a friend of mine actually works for Mantic and at conventions. And I have another friend that works for, what is that company that does board game inserts? Um, uh, Broken? 
Yes, Broken, yeah, Broken Token. Token. Yeah, that's a, one of them, yeah. I have a friend that works for Broken Token, and basically they get, like, free hotel rooms, and they get to, you know, go to these conventions for free, and in exchange they, they work them, you know. I wouldn't mind doing that, but I also wonder, um, what company would I work for? You know, what would, what would be a company I'm passionate... Steve Jackson. ...about, besides Steve Jackson Games? <laughs> What would be one that I would work for? Um, yeah, I'm sure uh, Asmo Day was like, well, you know, we were gonna let you in, but you called us Asmo Day from, you know, you've been, <laughs> you started doing that a few months ago, so we're not gonna let you in. Um, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I think I would. Uh, Catalyst Games would be cool to be able to, you know, sling BattleTech, maybe uh, Games Workshop stuff would be cool but of course you know they're not going to hire americans they you're just going to fly over all those uh brits but uh i don't know what companies would you guys feel comfortable working for uh, gmt or mmp i mean those are like my my main go-tos if you look at my shelves that's probably 80 percent is from those two companies hmm. i'd be one of those people that gives massages <laughs> <laughs> i don't know <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think if I I can't remember if I noticed if I saw uh, GMT or MMP there last time. I wonder. I don't. I don't know. I did see one. I've never obviously never been there, but man, you would think that literally everyone would be there. Yeah, it's it it is really really big because you can. I mean, it's scalable. You can have, like, a small, like, two-table booth, or you can take up, you know, 25% of the entire floor, you know, if, if you want to. Yeah. You know, it's just whatever you pay. Because I remember uh, FFG had a massive, massive presence uh, there that took up a ton, ton of space. So, I don't know. I don't know. Let's say I could work for GMP or GMT or MMP or any of those. You know, just in the sense of just the retail point of side of it, not going like, well, is this game good? I'll be like, yes, it depends, you know, buy it and see. I don't know. But uh, I don't know, something to think about. I'd have to see. I don't know. And I also don't know how that works. Like, you reach out to somebody like I guess I could ask my friend that works for Mantic. To be like, hey, how'd you get on? You know, can you get me on over there? But I'm also scared that like I'd have to work too much. It, out of a five day convention, I'm working four. That would suck. You know, that's not what I want to do. So I don't know. Maybe I should just do a uh, a GoFundMe or Kickstarter or something. I don't know, but we'll see. Whatever. All right. Moving on. Modifius. Again, golly, I should probably. I put think all that's what you got to work for. You talk about them like four times every show. Oh. I could reach out and ask. And they're like, sorry, sir, we don't know who you are. <laughs> this is a Wendy's. <laughs> um, so uh, I tossed this on here. Modifius is expanding their Star Trek license with Picard and, more importantly, Discovery. So I'm in. Boom. Now I want to play this game. I will be all in with uh, now that they're doing Disco. It's freaking fantastic. I love it so much. It's the reason I wake up on Thursdays. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I cannot wait 
for for this to come out. Uh, it's just really cool. I really really dig it. I love everything about it, and I could literally go on and on and on about it. And so, if you have if you're thinking about starting a Star Trek Discovery podcast, and you need somebody, call me. It's it's uh, what is it? Chance of Gaming at Gmail That's right. Yes, and I'll probably <laughs> answer. Maybe. No promises. I'll get back to you. Yeah. So um, I do like the books for these actually kind of detailing different stuff uh, like the Dominion War and, and whatnot. And uh, they have a really cool – I don't know anything hardly about the original series. I think I've watched more of the animated series than anything. And, I've seen, of course, I've seen all the movies. But I don't think I've ever watched more than like two original episodes. But I like the idea of it, you know, the kind of low-tech, you know, uh, shoot first, ask questions later kind of deal. So, but yeah. You can guarantee that at some point in the episode that uh, Kirk is going to get in a fight and rip his shirt. <laughs> yeah. I would think that such a uh, advanced civilization would have uh, clothing that wouldn't tear as easy. But whatever. I also like, now that they've been remastered in HD, that you can see that he's wearing a girdle underneath the shirt you, yeah, can. you can see you can see uh stuntmen look totally different yeah i've noticed that too that there's a plenty of uh weird inconsistencies now that it's you can see everything so clearly but yeah when discovery yeah we'll we'll, we'll cover that more the next thing was war games illustrated has listed their best whatever of 2020 and there's various games on here and i was very interested because it mentions two particular games their best game of 2020 was clash of spears and it is a guy that's semi-local i want to say he's um he's out of uh well i look at the kickstarter and it lists uh alvaro E-Rise? Alvaro E-Rise? Yep, the... exactly it. Yes, Alvaro E-Rise. Just say it with confidence. He's not listening. Uh, he might be. You never know. And uh, <laughs> But it's like a really big thing. I know they beta tested it and all this different stuff in um, Tennessee for uh, the, the little historical convention up there. And uh, so there's kind of a local kind of uh, aspect to it. So I thought that was neat. And um, I'm always interested in skirmish gaming, and this is skirmish uh, ancients gaming, which is yeah. really neat. So you don't need you know that many more. And so yeah, it it won the best game of 2020. And then the other one was a similar game. The best new rules of 2020 was Infamy Infamy by the uh, Two Fat Lardies. And again, it's the same thing. Except, well, this one specifically is based in uh, Rome. Let's see, it's listed as Infamy Infamy are an innovative and exciting large skirmish scale for Rome's wars with the Western Barbarians. So, not quite ancient, but it's still there, so... I just thought that was neat, and I'm kind of interested in both those uh, rule sets. <clears throat> I've got the figures for it, but, you know, again, it's 
finding somebody to actually play it. The other stuff is best manufacturer is Perry Miniatures, of course. They make beautiful stuff. Best range of 2020 is Frostgrave. Now, what does Be- that mean, best range? It says best figure range for Frostgrave. See, I thought I, Frostgrave didn't have figures. I thought that was bring your own. Uh, that is a very good point, and that is very <laughs> confusing to me. I don't quite understand, or I guess like what they're thinking of is like... Um, was you it can like, use anything, so it's got great range. <laughs> or like North Star Military Figures makes figures for Frostgrave. And maybe that's kind of the thing. I don't know. I, it it seems like it should be a bit better detailed in their description there, but it's not. Best customer service of 2020 is Warlord Games. I'll tell you who it is not. It is definitely not Fantasy Flight Games, because I recently purchased an ATRT for Legion, and it was missing a right arm. Oh, it got two left arms. And thanks to their dumbass policy... I have to send it back to Amazon, who is then supposed to send it back to them, and then I just get a complete new uh, ATRT. I don't know. It just I'm yeah. super fucking annoyed with that because I didn't find out until I sent it to the painter, and he's like, "What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> it's got two left arms." And I'm like, "Fuck." Ugh. Honestly, I would leave the arm off. This dude just got his arm shot off in battle. It happens. Yeah, just have, yeah, just model. Do, do green stuff and just model like gore yeah. coming out of it. It was bit, it was bitten yeah, it was bitten off by a wampa. Uh-huh. You know, it happens a lot. So uh, I guess the only thing I had left to say, uh, wanted to talk about was like looking back at 2020 from a wargaming perspective. When COVID hit, it caused you know immediately everybody went home for the most part worldwide so if you wanted stuff you're at home you're like okay well i want to build models or i want to paint or whatever all that stuff started running out really fast and which caused a really big secondary market for stuff you know you may have had like a army that you never got around to painting just sitting around gathering dust and all of a sudden it was worth twice what you paid for it because they couldn't get it from the regular company, so they were going for big bucks on eBay. The same way for paint, of all things. Um, That was kind of neat, uh, but I also saw the growth of stuff like Roll20, or Shadowgrounds, and people using stuff like Zoom to to game with their friends and stuff like that. I just thought that was kind of neat, and uh, I really think that's where you... That's where... That uh, company you mentioned earlier that was doing virtual tabletop, uh, Foundry, Mm -hmm. probably, you know, was kind of born out of something like that, that there's a demand for this kind of thing now. And I really think at least for the next six months, that's going to continue to be the norm. And even afterward, it may be that's just easier. I will say... um, Somebody told me the other day that something like 25% of all restaurants in the U.S. have closed permanently uh, post-COVID. I mean, I don't know where where he got the figure from or if it's even true, but that's kind of a really big thing. And you you have to wonder about, like, uh, gaming stores, which are already operating on a thin margin, 
and struggling to pay the bills anyway, how they could survive, you know, a thing like this. So gaming in 2021 is going to be really interesting. Uh, conventions too. Yeah. You know, from Gen Con, Origins, all these things to even like your little local conventions are just, you know, not, they're not going to risk it. They're not going to open. And so that's just kind of changed the landscape. Yeah, Vassal was already uh, a, a big thing with, with gamers, especially war gamers. It's got even bigger where you're seeing a lot of people, you know, producing more and more Vassal modules earlier in the process. Uh, recently, Decision Games just gave Vassal permission to, to post their modules out there. It used to be you had to go to Decision Games and buy the Vassal module from them, and you could buy it for free, but basically – they, they knew who was getting it. So now they're just posting it online with all the other stuff. So there's a lot of games out there that are getting played more online that maybe they wouldn't have gotten played. Um, hopefully that's turning into people buying the actual games. Um, that's not always the case, but I think, I think in the long run, it does help the manufacturers by giving support to Vassal. Uh, the, the really interesting thing is going to be what's going to happen next year when we don't have to use Vassal. It still may be, you know, you may prefer to do that. And what was the one that Roy brought to our attention? Um, Board Game Arena? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, that then, has really yeah, gotten popular. Game yeah. Website, too. Of course, uh, I don't know how companies are making money off like Board Game Arena. Or even, you know, if they are at all. I know some companies, like, want you to specifically purchase their uh their module for whatever so they're making something i mean i guess used to be companies didn't care but now or the you had the module but you had to actually buy a physical copy of the rules to get a physical copy of the game to get the rules but yeah i don't know i don't know but uh they're definitely definitely getting bigger and you're also starting to see a lot of board game uh Getting tra- board games getting transferred over to uh, the electronic side, uh, Steam, you know, uh, whatnot, which I still haven't played. Um, Edgummit, what is that weird steampunk game that was super popular that's on uh, Steam now? It was a board Scythe. I still haven't oh, played okay. Scythe. Yeah. yeah, I've started this tutorial like three times, and I'm like, ah, it's, <laughs> it's a long ass game. I don't have the attention span, so. But yeah, it's going to be interesting going forward, seeing how uh, what twenty twenty one looks like. But of course, you, I, I guess it sounds like uh, we're not going to really get there until maybe first of the summer. So I guess we'll have to see. And of course, I keep seeing stuff like, oh, there's this mutant strain of whatever it is over in Wales. And you're like, what? Oh, that's that's not good. So, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean, we've had, we've had diseases like this before where they haven't come out. Like, you know, swine flu, bird flu, uh, Ebola, all these things in the past, just in the past 20 years, we've started hearing the news reports and like, oh, crap, here's it coming, it's coming, it's coming. And you get a lot of sensationalism and then – for the most part, nothing really happens. This is the first time where it has actually blown up. So it'd be curious to see the next time one of those comes up, like what's going to be the early reaction to it. You know what I mean? 
Uh, of course, you're also seeing some, you know, the weird handling of it, you know, with the, the anti-mask thing and, you know, all that ridiculous stuff, too. So, yeah, yeah I think my favorite uh, Twitter thing that I saw this year was someone said, we're going to have to stop saying avoid it like the plague, because apparently we don't do that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And the, the meme about, like, if Americans were alive during the Black Plague, <laughs> they'd be licking rats. <laughs> like, oh, like, I could see that. What I remember seeing was uh, I'm troubled that the amount of people that uh, I know that would try to hide a zombie bite. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like y'all y'all non-mask wearers are the same people that would hide a zombie bite. Yep. Uh, <laughs> anyway. So I guess that uh, brings us to the end of the show. And uh, end of 2020 for us. Yeah, I guess next time we'll be back. Uh, we'll be uh, in 2021, and we'll talk about what all we got for Christmas. Got coal or whatever, and yeah. Hmm. We'll Alrighty. see. It's been fun. So good night, everyone. Be well, everybody. Stay good safe. night, everyone. <laughs>